0: fullback
1: belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Piled
0: track. In for the touchdown. Back. What a great second ever What's going on, guys? This is, of course, the Wolf of Roto Street of the Roto Street Journal, rotostreetjournal.com, bringing you another hot episode of On the Fantasy Beat a production of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, the podcast that paves your way to 2018 fantasy titles. Today we got a very timely guest bringing in Grant Cohen, I believe the fourth time this man has joined us, an unbelievable 49ers beat writer for the Press Democrat. And we had a crazy interview. I'm not going to spoil it right now, but we broke down, of course, Jarek McKinnon's injury, what this backfield could look like, and whether it's Morris getting the start, as a lot of people believe, maybe Breida might have a leg up. Of course, According to Cohen, who knows exactly how this will shake out, what receiving back might emerge there, a little sleeper for you there, uh, plus just in general some reasons why we might not, might be overrating the the 49ers as a fantasy community, maybe everybody's a little bit too high on them, according to Cohen, who, who's got the inside scoop, been covering these guys for eight years now, so I mean this guy knows it all fantastic interview make sure you settle in for on the fantasy beat learn about this backfield jimmy Garoppolo, this entire offense and all the major fantasy takeaways a huge sleeper there too at the end maybe the most valuable little nugget right there at the end so make sure you stay out for that whole interview let us know your thoughts all righty we are thrilled to recognize grant cohen back onto the fantasy fullback dive he's been on here what four times now i believe uh, he's a 49ers columnist for the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. He's been there since 2011. Grant, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Nick? Doing fantastic, man. I mean, Well, thankfully, I don't own Jarek McKinnon in any leagues, so I'm doing okay. Uh, but I feel bad for all those guys, so I guess that just gets us right into the, the interview here, which is Jarek McKinnon tore his ACL this past weekend, a non-contact yeah. injury. And it's obviously, you know, people had huge hopes for him, both in fantasy, the team, obviously fourth highest paid uh, running back in the league for this season. And yeah. now they're staring at Alfred Morris, Matt Breida. We know Kyle Shanahan's system has churned out productive running back after productive running back. Three straight top 10 guys, five of his last six, top 15. So it's still a very important situation. How mm-hmm. do you see this playing out from here, Grant? This is such a tough question. No one knows the answer to this one. So instead of
1: uh, leading your listeners astray i'm going to explain to you the process of trying to figure this out because no one knows even the running backs themselves i mean i was just in the locker room yesterday asking this question to Breida and morris and they're like i don't know they haven't told us we'll find out." i mean this is the part of scheming that coaches don't want the other team to know this is the element of surprise that uh, a six-point underdog like the 49ers want going into minnesota so what i anticipate is that breed is going to start because he knows this particular offense better Morris has experience with Shanahan and has a good feel for out, the outside zone running scheme, but Shanahan's offense has evolved. The, the verbiage, the play calls, all of that, he's still learning it. He's only been on the team for three weeks. Breida has that down, and that's a big – the mental side is a big advantage for Shanahan. Uh, fantasy owners might not think about football in that sense, but Shanahan is one of the more complicated offenses in the NFL, and it's not just wordy, but he calls plays that they don't practice. A lot of coaches like to call plays that they – ran through that week so the players are familiar with him. Shanahan will just call whatever, stuff that he's never called before, and players have to figure it out. And Breida can do that because he's been here longer, and uh, Morris was explaining he still is doing a lot of thinking. So while he has a, a ways to catch up, I think Breida will have the advantage. Now, if Breida just stinks and is non-functional, and they have to bring in Morris, they'll make it work with Morris the way they made it work with Garoppolo last year before Garoppolo knew the the, the, the playbook. But I think Breida will get the first shot and it'll be his job to lose. He might lose it because he's never carried the ball more than 12 times in a game. He already got hurt early in the preseason. I mean, durability is an issue, all of that. If he shows any sign of weakness, Morris could come in and give them 17 solid carries a game. Uh, I, I, I would expect Morris to get this job eventually, but just may, maybe not just right away.
0: Awesome. And so early on, do you see, you say Breed is going to be a starter. Do you think that amounts to a workhorse type of workload? Is it 15 ish carries? receiving work. How how do you see the workload kind of being distributed here? Well, I think I can't predict how many he'll get week one. I'm sure he'll get the first
1: few drives week one. And depending on that, that'll uh, determine his workload the rest Mm -hmm. of the game. But I would expect they came into the year hoping to use him a little bit more than last year. Last year, he was like a 12 carry game guy at the end. And now I think they're hoping that he can maybe handle 15. Because again, he's not a guy who catches a lot of passes. That was supposed to be McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, so he's not going to get those touches. He's going to, I think, maybe fifteen. But um, again, Morris is right there. And how many are those guys going to really combine for? Uh, maybe twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, if you were drafting either one, I'd be terrified because you just, you just don't know which one is going to be the quote-unquote hot hand after week one. Absolutely, and it's possible that neither one will be good. I mean, really, Alfred Morris, he's had his shot. Matt Breida, who? I mean, it's possible that this is not the running game they wanted. I don't know. It, 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 in a more positive light, it's it looks a lot like the running game from last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Breed has the change of pace back, Morris as the, as the starter. And you could actually argue that Morris could be an upgrade in this offense over Carlos Hyde, even though Carlos Hyde's a better running back, clearly a better running back than Alfred Morris. In this scheme, you'd rather have Morris. So actually, compared to last year, you could
0: say that maybe they have a slight upgrade, a slight upgrade in their run game from last year. Absolutely, and you just mentioned last part of this backfield is the the pass catching. That's always been a Shanahan staple. I mean, Hyde went to 59 receptions last year after catching no more than, I think, 20 the the years prior. But McKinnon, like you mentioned, was going to be that guy. Breida had the second most drops in the league among running backs last year. Alfred Morris has never had more than, like, 17 receptions in a season. Is there going to be somebody else, or is one of these guys going to step up? How do you see the receiving work out of the backfield going?
1: They're going to give Breida a chance to step up, but that doesn't mean he will. Mm -hmm. And if he drops another pass early, they're going to abandon that, I would imagine. So uh, Juszczyk will probably get a little more uh, work than he did last year. Remember, in the Niners' most impressive win of the season last year, the one in Jacksonville, he was their leading receiver. Mm -hmm. He was sort of their X factor. And so was Breida. Those two guys had big games in basically their biggest game of the season. So I would expect Juszczyk to get more passes, um, Breida to get more passes, and then basically guys like Trent Taylor to be more involved. I mean, they're not just going to be able to manufacture this passing game through the, the running backs. They're going to have to feature the tight ends and wide receivers more, just like last year.
0: Well, that perfect transition then right to the, the passing game, and obviously the engine of that's Jimmy Garoppolo. Had a, a great San Francisco start. Five straight wins last year to close out the season. They paid him big, the big bucks five years, $137 million. How's he looking entering year two? Is he ready to be this franchise quarterback? What are you expecting this year? Hmm. Uh, he looks, he, he demonstrates the same skill set
1: that we all uh, are extremely impressed with. The entire world is extremely impressed with. He shows it almost every day in practice. He showed it in preseason. He didn't have the best preseason, uh, but you can still see the skill set. It's he, he moves very well in the pocket. That's sort of how you would differentiate him from Jared Goff. To me, Jared Goff makes more wow throws, throws downfield where you're just like, only a few people could drop it in there like that. but. Uh-huh. He needs he needs functional space. Jimmy Garoppolo is, I mean, what he did with a, with a terrible team last year was really remarkable. He had no offensive line, and he made it work. He was very Brady-esque in that way, getting the ball out quick, but also more mobile than Brady. Not mm-hmm. faster than Brady, but, like, really navigating the pocket well, like the way Tony Romo used to or Aaron Rodgers does, that kind of stuff. So a lot to be excited about. I think what we're going to see this year is, just how good defensive coordinators are in the NFL. I mean, they've been studying him all offseason. They're going to have a much more sophisticated plan for stopping him. It's just how – that's how all uh, professional sports work. A guy has a hot start, and all of a sudden there's a book on him. And you see – I mean, there's going to be millions of dollars and so much collective brain power going into stopping Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, it's going to be on Garoppolo to adjust. He doesn't even know what's coming uh, – his way this season and he's going to see it this week mike zimmer is one of the more creative aggressive coordinators and he's going to exploit not jimmy's weaknesses but the 49ers weaknesses and pretty soon they'll become jimmy's weaknesses too because it's a team sport you know so anyway uh yes i think he's going to have a much more difficult task just from the rest of the nfl which is a brutal league it'll be interesting to see
0: absolutely and i think on the the flip side of that is he's now in year two of shanahan he kind of came in you know on, you know, just one, like you mentioned, the one of the more complex right. playbooks in the league, and he kind of they had it tailored down. We saw Matt Ryan explode in year two under Shanahan. Is right. there any hope of that type of just next level type of play?
1: Well, I don't think Matt Ryan would have exploded in year two if Julio Jones hadn't been on that team.
0: Yeah, true.
1: And this team still doesn't have Julio Jones. I mean, you would say from a fantasy perspective, the most exciting player is Marquise Goodwin. There's a whole big difference between Goodwin and Jones. I mean, Goodwin is a guy who'll get you a couple, two, three touchdowns, and you're worried about durability, you're worried about drops. Uh, Consistency. I mean, he really has had – he's been good for like half a season. Um, And you could say, well, he's never really had a quarterback before. That's true. But still, I mean, a question mark. Not Julio Jones. So I wouldn't expect the Niners' offense to be like a record setter like Atlanta was two years ago. I think they're still building – uh, and maybe if they get Julio Jones next year, it'll be a new, a different topic.
0: Absolutely, yeah, that'd be impressive. Well, you spoke of Goodwin, and he did have a, a quite the stretch run there with Jimmy Garoppolo, right. Number 8 PPR fantasy wide receiver over those five starts. was on a 1,229-yard pace, 93-catch pace, and he's always been pegged as a sprinter, this deep threat. But he was catching plenty of, you know, under 20. I think all of his receptions were under 20 yards. It was a crazy stat, something of that nature. And the the Puff's been pretty impressive this offseason coming out of camp that he's really been the go-to guy. Is that what you're seeing? Is he going to develop into this number one receiver? What are your thoughts?
1: See, this is misleading. He was going crazy with Garoppolo. And I think from a fantasy perspective, you uh, prorate that out and figure, well, he could be like a top ten receiver in the league. Now, remember, Garcon was hurt. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Now, yes, I've, now Garcon's back, and I would expect Goodwin still to be the number one receiver, but they're going to split targets mm-hmm. fairly evenly. So I, I would expect whatever rate Goodwin was catching passes or receiving targets with, from Garoppolo, that's going to drop just because Garcon's going to get some targets too. That's going to eat into Goodwin. I wouldn't just, yeah, go rate what he was doing last year.
0: Absolutely. That's,
1: and That's It's not quite clear which one's going to be the number one wide receiver, and I think they're both going to have uh, – be the number one guy in different situations
0: and that kind of brings me to the next guy It was pierre garcon facilitates right. that how is he looking after i believe his neck surgery is he looking back to form is he going to be back to his uh, that role you just mentioned is he going to be a 1a 1b with marquise goodwin how's he looking so far he looks like the same guy he was before his neck injury mm-hmm. honestly
1: he looks the same the only question with him is is he going to hurt something again? Mm -hmm. Because he's such a physical player. I mean, he's the kind of person who would lead with his head and lead with his neck and hurt his neck. And, uh, I mean, he's Anquan Bolden-esque in that way. So his style of play sort of led to a a serious breakdown last year after eight games. Is that going to happen again? He's 33. I mean, those are the questions I would have as a fantasy owner. Am I going to get 16 games from Pierre Garçon? Just given his age. Yeah. And also, same with Goodwin. I mean, the dominant image in my head from him, despite all the great things he did last year, was him twitching on the on the field, week 17, after getting laid out uh, by the Rams. Uh, it was scary. Mm-hmm. He was twitching. His his body was, whew, uh, and then he got carted off. Um, he's a little guy. Uh, I really like him. I hope that doesn't happen. He's had a lot of concussions. I mean, you got look at he's had like five or six. Um, How many more does he, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would quit, who wants to quit like Chris Borland, but how many more can he really take before someone says you have to? These are things you got to think about if you're investing in these players.
0: I think, yeah, the concussion history something that I wasn't even aware of. I think very few fantasy sites are talking about the fact that he comes with that risk. So it's an excellent point, point to be making about Goodwin. It's all been positive, positive, positive. It's a really right. good dark cloud that's looming over there that nobody seems to be discussing. So that's uh, we appreciate you pointing that one out. Last real prominent pass catcher I can think of here is George Kittle. You put him on our radar last year. You definitely had some big games, some flashes of some athletic freakish ability there. I know he's been struggling with a shoulder injury all preseason, but how's his health and is he going to take another step forward in year two? What do you think?
1: Well, he's healthy now. He missed the entire preseason with a separated shoulder. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he suffered that injury the first drive of the first preseason game. I mean, he plays very hard. Uh, He's kind of like... I wouldn't say Jimmy Ward because Jimmy Ward's sort of a disaster, but, like, one of these sort of guys who's a little bit undersized in his position but plays so aggressively that his body just sort of seems to inevitably break down. And that's really the only drawback because he understands Kyle Shanahan's offense. Shanahan loves using him. Mm -hmm. He uh, wins his one-on-one matchups. He can beat man coverage. He catches long passes over the middle, Garoppolo likes throwing to him. Garoppolo likes throwing over the middle. I mean, it's a very good fit from the scheme and, and he has a very good uh, chemistry with the quarterback. But when you're drafting him, you are banking that he's going to stay healthy. And I, I basically just have one big picture thing to say about the 49ers in fantasy football. The 49ers arguably are the most overhyped team in football. And that's not their fault. That's, that's the media's fault. And all the hype comes down to the coach and the quarterback. Like it's New England. Like basically, people are expecting the Niners to be the next Patriots, the heir apparent, uh, with this brilliant young quarterback and this brilliant young coach. So I feel like that hype is artificially inflating the fantasy value of guys like Goodwin and Kittle and all these guys who are solid players. But I don't know if the value in fantasy. Now you're much more. I'm not. I don't play fantasy football. I have no idea where these guys are getting drafted. Mm-hmm. But you just have to ask. Is the value right or is it is it sort of a product of some hype that has nothing to do with Marquise Goodwin
0: or George Kittle? I mean that's what I would ask. Very interesting. No, that's good to uh, – because like you say, yeah, they are very highly hyped this offseason. Um, and not many people have thrown any cold water on it. So it will be interesting to see if that cold it's water – not like people are saying like, oh, the Niners are stacked.
1: Right. It's like, oh, I trust Kyle and I trust Jimmy. I trust two people. It's like, OK, it's not basketball. Like this, there's 22 mm-hmm. people on the field. Um, Even Aaron
0: Rodgers struggles to win more than 10 games a year, and he's the best. Uh, So we'll see. And what do you see as some of their kind of glaring weaknesses? I know you kind of hinted at that, like their weaknesses will become Jimmy's weaknesses earlier. What do you think are some of the the most glaring weaknesses of this 49ers team? Uh, The
1: offensive line. They got three new starters. They haven't really been tested yet. Uh, Rookie at right tackle. uh, uh, Mike Person won the uh, the job at right guard. He's never played guard. Started a game at right guard. And Weston Richburg, he... They they say they like him. He was inconsistent in the preseason, and uh, the Giants just had no use for him. Didn't want him anymore. So the offensive line uh, is it going to be good? <laughs> the trenches yeah. there is the offensive line on the offense, and then uh, on defense, does the pass rush? Do they have one? Uh, last year they couldn't stop the pass. This year they face a lot of good quarter, a lot of good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So it's the defense in general. to me they have by far the weakest defense in the division, uh, and then an offense. Is there enough for Jimmy? Gray? I like the depth at wide receiver, the depth at running back has taken a hit, and the depth at uh, tight end is
0: tenuous. Always uh, with Jimmy, with uh, Kittle on
1: the on the on the team. So,
0: absolutely. Is there any Forty Nine er yet that we haven't discussed? I, I've covered the names that are, are consistently yeah. drafted, but is there anybody yeah. not on radars that should be? Would you say? Yes,
1: Trent Taylor. Okay, absolutely. Uh,
0: I don't think he gets enough
1: height love whatever i mean everyone always talks about garoppolo's chemistry with goodwin and that's real but it's situational on third down garoppolo's looking at trent taylor and in the red zone garoppolo's looking at trent taylor and it's so obvious it's getting scouted like he almost got intercepted twice a couple of weeks ago forcing passes to trent taylor in the red zone because the other team had scouted it knew that was his tendency i mean it's like it's a full-blown tendency now so as a rookie, that guy caught 40-something passes, I mean, the same amount as Kittle. Now, the shorter passes, he gets fewer yards, but he's basically their red zone threat. He's only five foot nine, but he runs these little option routes, creates little windows of separation, and Garoppolo has the accuracy and anticipation to make those throws. I mean, Colin Kaepernick wouldn't make those throws. Most quarterbacks couldn't make those throws, but... It's interesting. This is the type of quarterback who doesn't necessarily need a six foot four guy who can win a fifty fifty ball because he's so precise he can do better than fifty fifty.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: can do seventy percent. And uh, the thing with Trent Taylor is he caught seventy percent of his targets last year. I mean, that is a real natural uh, hookup combination, sort of like Wes Welker and Tom Brady in the in the, in the day. You know, uh, Danny Amendola, that kind of stuff.
0: Yes, yeah, um, is, is he playing primarily in Trent, the slot? This Taylor yeah,
1: guy. Yep. Yeah, he plays. He's. he's only in the slot, okay. he doesn't start, so he, he doesn't he's not on the radar because he's not a starter. But he plays a whole lot, and when it, in a passing situation, he's on the field, and that's the guy he could end up he could end up leading the team in touchdown receptions this year.
0: Very interesting, yeah, because obviously Garoppolo from the Patriots, the the slot receiver, has always been the the engine of the offense yeah. almost. So he's got and in his the red zone. They're looking at Kittle and Taylor, Kittle and Taylor, not Garcon, not Goodwin interesting very interesting indeed no that's that's a great name to toss out there um that again undrafted in fantasy drafts almost uh, all the time so we'll throw them out there on the penny stock radar for sure for people let's wrap up then with just your prediction for the 49ers this year the entire kind of nfc west how you see it playing out and then just remind people where they can find you and, and interact with you
1: okay when the schedule came out i thought nine and seven just going through the schedule i thought it was a brutal schedule then after watching training camp and preseason, I felt it pretty much couldn't have gone any worse. I mean, the Rams, The Rams, as a counterexample, basically their philosophy was to make it through the offseason in one piece and not get injured. They may be utterly unprepared for the regular season, but they're not injured. The Niners, uh, everyone got hurt as soon as training camp started. Then everyone else got hurt when the preseason started. It was like the entire offseason was a bust. I, uh, they got very little um, done uh, to make themselves better. They're 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 limping to week one, hoping they can get some sort of production out of a, a brand new run game. Uh, it, it it was a counterproductive last month. I I would have to knock them down to seven wins, mm-hmm. which is not I mean a knock. I mean they're still a rebuilding team. They won six games last year. If they win seven, they're still I mean they still have a bright future. They still have a bright future. They still have their quarterback and they still have their coach. Um, you would expect next year they would be much more of, much more in a position to compete. They'd get McKinnon back, hopefully. Uh, this year I can't see more than seven wins, and I think right off the bat they could have three or four losses or four losses in a row. I mean, they start off with Minnesota, their six-point dogs, or come home and play Detroit. That's no guaranteed win. Then they go and play the Chargers on the road. That's a playoff team. And then they go and play Kansas City Chiefs on the road. It's always tough to play in Kansas City. I mean, I'm thinking 7-9, and nine, and I don't mean to be harsh on this team. I still think uh, compared to where it was with Tom Sula and Chip Kelly, I mean, that was the dark times for uh, a fan because not only were you bad, but there's no future. There's no hope. It's not mm-hmm. like we have this or that. We got the coach. We got the – I mean, it was depressing, yeah. and it was depressing right write about. How many times do you have to say this team is – going nowhere i mean this team is clearly i don't know if it's going somewhere but it has hope and that's mm-hmm. a whole lot better than not so even if they win seven games this year you would have to say that they're probably not going to fire shanahan and get rid of the, and get rid of the uh, quarterback so there is some sort of uh
0: plan in place and future mm-hmm. to look forward to absolutely and where can uh, our fans here if they want to ask any 49ers questions whatnot, not find you uh you can google me
1: Grant Cohn. I'm at 49ers.pressdemocrat.com. And on Twitter, I'm at Grant Cohn, one word, G-R-A-N-T-C-O-H-N.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for the time, Grant. appreciate all the insight, my man.
1: My pleasure, man. Take it easy.
0: You too. All righty, guys. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed recording it. Always love catching up with our guy, Grant. Some absolute fire Definitely always has the bold takes and he's saying maybe we're a little too high on Goodwin and maybe we're you know the sleeper value of Kittle might not be there mainly because of injury concerns. Nobody talking about the fact that Goodwin has five to six concussions in his history and just ended the season getting carted off. Nobody's been talking about that. It's all been hype and puff and I've been falling for it. I've been buying it, and I still believe Goodwin's going to have a monster as long as he's on the field. I know he's not Julio Jones, but I love the targets he's about to see. Yeah, there's good reason. and Maybe the second most valuable thing out of there, I thought it was going to be all about the backfield, but Trent Taylor, slot receiver. We know Jimmy Garoppolo comes from a system, heavily peppering the slot and the red zone looks. I mean, he's dominating the red zone share with Kittle. Who knows what that's going to mean, but he's getting undrafted right now in an absolute... Penny stock sleeper to have on your radar there. Plus the backfield, Brita may be the guy to target here with the more familiarity between on Shanahan's more upgraded scheme, uh, the new verbiage, all that stuff. Obviously Morris has the old history and he's rumbled in the scheme before, but it sounds like a lot has changed. He could still kind of evolve into that Carlos Hyde and Brita stays in the change of pace back role by midseason, you know, according to Cohen. But Breeda will have that chance to to hopefully gain the leg up. Both guys were worthy of ninth, tenth round price tags where they're going right now, either way. Regardless, hope you found that stuff useful. Whether you've already drafted or whether you're looking to trade or or make pickups, Trent Taylor, again, probably on your waiver wire. Keep him on that radar. When he scores a touchdown, week one, don't say we didn't tell you. This, of course, has been on the fantasy beat, a product of the fantasy fullback dive, the podcast that paves your way to 2018 fantasy titles. We're moving into our full-time fantasy in season mode because it's going to be kicking off maybe by the time you hear this it'll be kickoff day and boy we can't wait we have great shows all year Monday we'll be recording and live again on YouTube if you've missed it we're gonna be starting to broadcast live every week so follow us subscribe on YouTube just search Roto Street Journal on your YouTube page subscribe we're gonna be live broadcasting every Monday kind of the the lessons learned the risers followers on the big board season long wise also you know waiver wire who do you need to look at Then Wednesday night we'll be recording our, our preview shows, the matchups to target, the burning questions you need answered going into that week, the rankings, who's higher, who's lower, maybe even some DFS stuff, You know, bringing in an experts every week to talk about all this. Great stuff coming. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, we promise more and more fire coming every single week. So subscribe. If you like what you hear, it would really mean the world to us to get a review. Help us get found by more and more people. Spread the Wolfpack love. We really appreciate it. All your listens, guys. Find us on RotoStreetJournal.com, RotoStreetJournal Facebook, Instagram, uh, RotoSTJournal on Twitter and Snapchat, and then of course, me personally, RotoStreetWolf on Twitter and Snapchat. Send me all the questions. It's go time, baby. Kickoff, coming at ya. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call, so hold for the applause, oh, 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 oh. and wave out to the crowd. Take our final bow, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show, 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 at least we stole the show. Straight ahead, Dettler, second effort, third effort, touchdown, oh,